You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. are important. We, we all need some good friends in our life, don't we? The type of friends that bring hope. In, in Luke chapter 5, we see that Jesus is at, is, is at Capernaum. And that's the Apostle Peter's hometown. It's a little country town. I imagine it was a uh, one blinking light town. A bunch of people that would drive pickup trucks. And Jesus is at a home. A lot of scholars think it was the Apostle Peter's house. And, and he's there teaching. And lots of people come especially some religious leaders. And I picture them with their laptops and their phones and they're ready to tweet out anything that Jesus says that's, that's impactful or controversial. And the reason why I think that they're there is shortly before this is Jesus heals someone with leprosy. And this wasn't common. This didn't happen. And for, so for Jesus to do this, this was a big deal because Actually, it was one of the signs that they believed that the Messiah would do. That's one of the miracles that uh, the Messiah would perform. And so they're coming and they're checking out, hey, is this guy really the Messiah? And, and he doesn't appear to be the Messiah. I mean, look at his disciples. I mean, they're fishermen. They're a ragtag bunch. I mean, he's got a tax collector and a zealot. And I mean, just a, a wide, diverse group of people. And on top of that, he just didn't really match what they were thinking. But they're sitting there on the front row and they're listening to Jesus teach. And then we see that there was four guys. Mark tells us that there was four guys that, that carry a paralyzed man on a cot or on a mat. And to be paralyzed back then, uh, it was really, really hard to live. You had to go about begging in your life. You had to hope that you could get someone to carry you there. And then people really looked down on you because they associated with being paralyzed that God must have cursed you cursed you or, uh, or because of your parents' sin or because of your sin. And so people didn't have a lot of respect for you. And he basically had to hope that his family or his friends would take him someplace, uh, that he could get some kind of assistance because the government wasn't going to help him. Uh, but this guy, he's got four buddies. And for whatever reason, they bring him to this house. I, I, I've kind of thought about why, why did they bring him to this house? And I'm wondering if one of the buddies was there when Jesus uh, healed uh, this, this person with leprosy. And they said, well, man, if Jesus healed this person with leprosy, maybe they can help my buddy. And, and so they get to this house, and they're carrying this mat, and no one will let them in. I mean, the house is packed. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's wall-to-wall people. I mean, it's kind of like going to a fiesta parade here in San Antonio. I mean, it, it's just people are everywhere. And, and so they can't get in. And so one of the buddies, he comes up with an idea. He says, well, why don't we climb up on the roof? Kind of like the roof that we're up, up here on right now. And back then, a lot of the houses were two stories. Some of them had stairs that went up to it, or sometimes there was a ladder. Uh, one of my professors from Ozark Christian College, Mark Moore, he suggests that maybe they went up to the neighbor's roof uh, because the, the houses were so close, maybe they got up on their roof and then hopped across. And, and, and we all kind of have some crazy friends. Well, I imagine this paralyzed man had this crazy friend that says, hey, I got an idea. I, 
and let's go up on this roof and not only that we will go up on the roof but we'll go ahead and make an instant skylight I mean we'll, we'll go ahead and tear off the roof uh, the roof was made of dried mud it was kind of like cement and, and and so we'll see in the text that they literally cut a hole they get some chainsaws out and and they cut this big hole and and if you look at verse 18 it says some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat they tried to take him inside to Jesus but they couldn't because of the crowd I mean you, you had all these people everywhere so they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles the Greek says they unroofed the roof and so they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd and right in front of Jesus now I just want to stop there for for a second uh, imagine if you were inside that house and all of a sudden mud and debris starts falling down what if you were Peter and, and this is your house. And he's thinking, man, I, I wonder if my homeowner's insurance is going to cover some guys cutting a hole in the roof. What, what are the Pharisees thinking, if, especially if dirt and everything else is coming down on them? What's Jesus thinking as all of a sudden you, he gets this instant skylight right in front of him? Well, it says in verse 20, seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. He, he sees the the friend's faith of, of this paralyzed man. And, and Jesus said to him, Young man, your sins are, are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And, and this was a shocking statement. First of all, I'm wondering what this paralyzed man's uh, friends thought. They thought, man, we took this man to be healed, and all of a sudden Jesus is telling him his sins are forgiven. And, and then on top of this, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're upset because they're like, God's the only one that can forgive sins. Who does this guy think that he is? But Jesus realizes that this guy has a spiritual issue and he wants to take care of that before he takes care of the, the, the phys, or before he takes care of his physical issues. And verse 22 it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. That's a miracle in itself. Jesus could read their minds of, of these religious leaders, and so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Can you imagine what this man would have felt like at that moment? Um, my guess is that he had been paralyzed for many years and had had to beg for all this time and now suddenly he's able to walk in verse uh, 25 it says and immediately as everyone watched the man jumped up and picked up his mat and went home praising God I mean his life was transformed his life was changed everything everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God explaining we have seen amazing things today Man, what a great story. Well, I mean, we, we see Jesus heal this man, change his life forever, and not just physically, but also spiritually. But this man would have never got to Jesus if it wasn't for his four friends. His four friends that were bold, who were reckless, who were willing to take a chance. Says, hey, we'll, we'll go ahead and climb up onto a, on, on top of a roof. We'll cut a hole in the roof. We'll tear the roof apart so that our friend can get 
to Jesus. We've been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we've been talking about how love is patient and love is kind, how love is an action. And we've especially been looking at verse 7. It says, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. Love brings hope to people. Love brings hope to people. It endures through every circumstance. If you really love people, you bring hope. You're willing to bring people to Jesus no matter what the cost is. We are called to be a community of believers that bring hope to people because we have the hope of Jesus Christ. And part of that, part of what hope looks like is, is an action. Well, we bring hope to people by maybe dropping off groceries to their house. It might be by helping someone grieve, by helping them walk through their grief. It might be reminding someone that they're not alone especially as, there, as many people are lonely right now. It, it, hope may look like staying with someone during a tough time. It may be visiting someone in the hospital. It may say, uh, I'm going to help you no matter what the cost is. It says, I'll carry you through the hard times. It may be dropping off just a little note in the mail or sending a text or sending an email or, or picking up the phone and just saying, hey, I just want you to know that I love you. My middle son, Elijah, uh, he uh, has a sweet and tender heart. And a couple of weeks ago, he, he said, Dad, uh, I want to do something special for some of our shut-ins or for some of our people that can't really get out. He said, can we go bring them some food, maybe some brownies or soup or something, and then I would just like to, to sing them a song. And so over the course of a couple of weeks, we went to several different homes, and he got out and he just played people a song. It was so touching just to see the smile on their face. To, and they realized that they were cared about, that someone loved them. And Elijah's whole goal was to bring hope to their life. We all have a responsibility to bring hope to people because we are people of hope. Jesus Christ gives us hope because we know that he died on the cross and he rose again. And we have this hope that lives within us. And when love lives within us, we can't help but bring hope to other people. Love says that I'll do whatever I have to to bring someone close to Jesus. And if it makes me uncomfortable, I'll still do it. If it costs me, I'll still do it. If it's hard work, I'll still do it. And so I want to ask you today, who do you know that needs to be brought closer to Jesus Christ? Who's someone that you could bring closer to Jesus Christ? And then the second question is, what are you do, willing to do to bring them closer to Jesus Christ? How are you showing them hope? How are you showing them love? How are you being an example of, of Jesus to them?